Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Happy New Year. Thank you. That was pretty good. Honestly, pretty good crowd participation. Uh, So last year, as a community, we started this new rhythm, this new thing um, where we took a a single idea and we used it as sort of a theme or through line or an emphasis for the entire year. So we built all of our teaching around it. And last year, you heard me say like pretty much every week that 2023 was our year with Jesus. And we did that because we wanted to, you know, emphasize and remind, really remind ourselves over and over and over again, that we aren't biblicists. We don't worship the Bible, and we don't follow the Apostle Paul. Though there's some good stuff from Paul out there, we uniquely are Christian. We worship Jesus, and the life and the teachings of Jesus are central to who we are. And so all we did last year was look at the Gospels. We, just, we read and taught from the Gospels, and our community groups were about the Gospels. We had a year with Jesus. And so For me, that was helpful, and I think it was really beautiful for our community, and so we decided we wanted to do that again, where we kind of build out a theme or an idea uh, for the entire year. And so for 2024, our kind of emphasis, our through line, is about reimagining or maybe rebuilding or rethinking, whatever the right re word is for you, a faith that is healthy and sustainable. Because I want you to keep your faith. And I know that you have been hurt, and I know you have serious questions that are real, um, and I know that you have struggled through a lot. But I think that there is a faith that can be healthy and sustainable, a faith that can be worth keeping, a faith that can be worth clinging to when times are hard. I think there is a faith that is worth passing down to our children. I, I think there is a faith that is worth it, and so this year, we're going to be talking through that. So how do we, you know, how do we read and understand the Bible in a way that isn't so harmful, that maybe is worth clinging to and passing down? And how do we understand these spiritual practices that maybe were taught to us in these forms of uh, legalism and shame? How do we reclaim them in a way that's beautiful and helpful and not harmful? And we're going to start this year. Today, I'm going to do kind of a, I wish I had a better phrase, a faith 101. And then we're going to walk through the next few weeks, walk through our confession of faith that we just said together. So what does it mean to have an expansive faith and a curious faith and a compassionate faith? I mean, we say it every week together, but how do we kind of put some legs on that? What does that look like for a faith that's really worth it? And so today is a uh, kind of an intro to all of this, because when I say that I want you to have a strong and healthy and sustainable faith that's worth having and keeping and clinging to and passing down, I may not mean exactly the kind of faith that you were given. I probably don't mean the kind of faith that you see on political stages in America. And by probably, I mean definitely don't mean that kind of faith. I probably don't mean the kind of faith that exists in these dominant streams of American Western Christianity, but I do think it's a faith that's talked about in the scriptures. So today we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 11, very popular, famous passage about faith. And this is what it says, In Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Uh, This is a Hebrews 
chapter 11, verse 1, a very popular verse, just this section of it. This is what I typically think of as like a cross-stitch verse. Like there's a good chance it was cross-stitched at like your aunt or grandma's house, like close to the family photos in the hallway, you know? And maybe you know the King James Version, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I might like the King James Version better. Maybe it's just because it's more familiar. But this is one of those passages um, that is, I mean, it's popular because it's important. But like a lot of the Bible, when we read it, we end up kind of highlighting the wrong words. So the wrong things kind of stand out to us. And then we, we end up drawing some conclusions that ultimately aren't very helpful. Like, I think for most of us, when we read this, we just highlight automatically confidence and assurance. And we just put this together. Faith is about being confident and feeling really assured. Faith must be about being 100% certain. It's about being right. It's about being able to prove it and defend it and hold it. It must be about confidence and assurance. And we just kind of pull those words out, and the rest of it goes away. But I don't... I don't, one, I don't think that's what faith is, and I don't really think that's what Hebrews 11 says. Um, I want to try something here where instead of everything else going away and we just highlight these words, I want to take everything else away. Now, listen, I'm not trying to delete words out of the Bible, okay? I always get nervous when I start, you know, taking some stuff away, but just stay with me, okay? Because I think this may be more helpful for us because um, in this passage, these words, confidence and assurance, they're kind of, you know, I don't want to insult the writer of Hebrews, whoever they may be. They're kind of filler words. In fact, when they get translated, sometimes they get flipped because they're so close. Like it's kind of, they're reiterating the same idea. And so it it presents for us like a tension or or even a, a paradox, or maybe a better word would be a mystery. Because if you take these words out, Uh, then you get this. Now, faith is about what we do not see. And that may be a better place to start. So instead of faith being about holding on to my confidence and my assurance and my certainty, faith is about all that stuff we can't even see. And then when you add the words back in, that's when you get this tension, this paradox, where faith is about what we can't see, and we have some sort of mysterious confidence about it. It's almost like a like you get a smirk at the end of it. It's not a joke, but it's a little bit of a paradox, a tension that you say, faith is about having confidence in stuff you can't see at all. And this, um, this phrase, um, the things we do not see, it's a, um, it's a sensory word. In the Greek, the word is uh, like blepo, which is definitely a kid's character in some books. <laughs> when I read that this week, I was like, oh, I know blepo and beep. Like, what's up, guys? Um, but, but, <laughs> But blepo is a sensory word, so sometimes it gets translated as behold. So faith is about all the things you can't hold or see or smell or touch. It's about our senses. Faith is about all those things you can't actually prove. Faith is about the things that you can't be 100% sure about. Faith is about the things that you can't be certain about. And somehow, mysteriously, you can have a, a confidence, but not because you can hold them or prove them or defend them or be 100% sure about them. That's the paradox, the tension of faith, that faith is about what you can't see. In other words, faith is about mystery, not certainty. 
right? And we often want our faith and our journey of faith and our, our kind of progression in our faith to be about removing all of the mystery. Right? We treat it like a true crime documentary. Like we're hoping that at the end, they tell us for sure if Adam and Eve are real people. Like that's all we want out of this. We're hoping that as we learn more and we come to church more, that um, the mystery will slowly dissolve, that there's less of it, that we're more certain the further we get into it. But that's not how it works. Because the further you get into this, the more you push in, the more mysterious it gets. Because if, if you suddenly are able to prove your faith, to be 100% certain about it, to hold it, it's not faith anymore. It's a good, it's a good science textbook and maybe a good logical argument. Sometimes not that good of a logical argument, by the way. But faith isn't about getting rid of the mystery. It's about embracing and trusting the mystery, all the things you can't hold or see. Henry Nouwen says it like this, we might be competent in many subjects, but we cannot become an expert in the things of God. God is greater than our minds and cannot be caught within the boundaries of our finite concepts. A spiritual formation leads not to a proud understanding of divinity, but to an articulate not knowing. That's where the journey leads us, knowing less. It's just being able to articulate us knowing less and less. And I know for some of you that is bad news today, and I'm so sorry. That's not what you wanted from me today. But this year isn't going to be um, like where we solve this big mystery. And at the end of this year, you go, I figured it all out. I came to church all year and I got all the answers. That's not it. As soon as you can hold it, as soon as you can defend it, as soon as you can prove it, it's not faith anymore. I, okay, so I love this idea that faith is a mystery. I love it. And mostly, if I'm totally honest, I love it for you. Less for me. This is one of those pastor ideas where I'm like, I hope you guys get there, because I'm not there yet. I struggle with this personally. I think it's true. I really do. I believe in this articulate not knowing, that the more I press in, the more I understand, I actually realize how little I understand the language I use about God actually might be getting me further away from the ultimate truth and reality of God. I, under, I get that intellectually. But I have a lot of imposter syndrome about not having the answers. You know, I stand up here, I'm a religious leader, I preach on a religious text every week, and sometimes you guys call me for answers. And some of you have had this meeting with me where you want the answers. And I don't have, I don't have them. And I sometimes can feel your disappointment in me not having the answer. And I understand. This is not a dig at you. I understand. You're like, I need somebody to have these answers. And I have a lot of imposter syndrome because I think that, at least for me, you know, I, I like this mystery for you, but for me, I should be able to understand all this. And I struggle with whether my belief is wide enough and deep enough and strong enough. Like maybe I should believe more or maybe I'm not believing exactly right. And I need somehow need to manufacture more certainty than I actually have. Right? Just a lot of imposter syndrome about enoughness. And the truth is some of that 
you know, feeling bad about it. Some of that imposter syndrome comes from the idea that um, I used to feel really certain. Like, I, I used to be really certain. I used to try as hard as I could to defend it. And if you came to me with a question, I would confidently give an answer. I used to feel really certain, and um, that certainty was a comfort. Does that, does that make sense to you? Maybe you felt that? That box that I made myself live within was comfortable. So maybe let's do this today. Um, you know I like some crowd participation. If right now where you're sitting, if you feel less certain today about your theological beliefs, your beliefs about the world, about church, if you feel less certain right now than you used to, maybe when you were a kid, maybe last month, whatever it is, if you feel less certain today than you used to, will you raise your hand? Maybe look around a little bit. Okay, you can put them down. So let me give you two pieces of good news today. One, I hope you got this. You are not alone. You are not alone. There is some pressure in our you know, Christian systems to have the right answer, to feel like we're supposed to have the right answer, to progress in certainty, but you are not alone. It turns out that everyone is progressing in this articulate not knowing. But that may actually be the goal. You are not alone. And number two, the really good news here, uh, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. God isn't mad at you. There is no quiz at the end of all this. No one is scoring your beliefs. You weren't more right before. You probably weren't less right either. (laughs) You're just right about some different stuff. No one is scoring. No one is mad. Your beliefs should never cause you fear. But what I've learned, at least for myself, and this doesn't have to be true for you, but at least for myself, that when I diminish that need for certainty, if I'm able through my practices, if I'm able through my own personal formation, my community with you, to diminish my need for religious certainty, what happens automatically is that my um, fear level goes down too, because fear and certainty are always linked. They go together. It's our fear about God and about hell and about judgment that leads us to say, I better be 100% right about this. Because if the options are eternal punishment or 100% rightness, I'm going to try to go for 100% rightness. And so if you are afraid today, let me just tell you, God is not mad at you. God is not punishing you because of your particular beliefs today. What good news. No one is angry at you. There is no pressure to know more or to be more certain, more certain or more sure. But a fear-based faith will cause you to need that kind of certainty, but a fear-based faith isn't faith at all. Certainty isn't faith. Making a beautiful poem into a science textbook isn't faith. It's not trust. It's insecurity manifesting as faux confidence. Certainty isn't faith. Fear requires certainty, but faith trusts that there's a mystery, that you can't see it, that you can't touch it, that you can't hold it. And if you make mysterious things into things that must be certain, that's when you lose faith. 
We have to embrace this idea of a wonderful mystery. Right? Let it flex and change and rearrange at times. So for you, does this idea of faith, you know, faith being about embracing mystery, not, not moving and progressing in the direction of certainty, but maybe even more into an idea of not knowing, does that idea make you nervous? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I understand. Because I know that for a lot of you, the stakes feel really high. Wrong, wrongness, the consequences of being wrong, feel very serious. And I understand. But I just wonder if you could gauge for yourself what the prison of rightness is causing in your life. The consequence of that, of not being free, that consequence is greater. I promise it is greater than any divine punishment that's coming for you. The self-inflicted harm of having to be right about all of this, the self-hatred and the self-judgment and the judgment and hatred of others is causing you more harm than any divine judgment. Or maybe, um, maybe you need like a question to help you as you kind of walk through this, as you start. Uh, maybe, you know, if you want a desire for your faith to be worth keeping and clinging to and holding on to, and I want that for you, maybe you could just start with this question. Is my faith creating more love or more fear? For other people and for yourself. If you think about your systems of belief and the way you're processing this and the way you're walking through the world, if it causes you to be more afraid, it's not from God. If it causes you to make other people more afraid, it's not from God. Our faith, our religious expression, our spirituality should produce more love in the world, more freedom, more inclusion. And as you, you know, change your beliefs, as you adapt your beliefs, as you gain new information and then make new decisions, each one of those decisions to change your mind about something should move you closer to love, closer to more inclusion and safety and grace, closer to freedom and joy, not further away from those, not closer to fear. So maybe as you're walking through this, just consider that for yourself this year. How do I maybe have a faith that gets me to be more loving, more free, and then I want to invite you into a, a practice. So uh, Brianna and I have put together, we couldn't come up with a name for this, but like a, an inventory for yourself, a personal inventory for you to be able to pause and take a second and figure out where you are on this journey. Because wherever you are in this, if you say, you know, um, this idea of having a faith is interesting to me and I still show up at church, but that is like as far as I'm willing to engage my brain. That's okay. That's okay. Or if you say, showing up at church actually is very hard for me, but I can read some books about it. Or you know what, being with others isn't that important to me, but I want to serve some people, I want to care about people, whatever it is. We've created a little bit of an inventory for you to walk through. Um, it's on our website at gatherhouston.org. And we'll, we'll email it out to you and we'll post about it this week. But we want you to engage with it. You just fill it out that you take, it could take as little as five minutes, or you could, you know, maybe slow down a little bit. Maybe today, read through the questions and just let them sit for a little while. Come back to it at the end of the week or next week or next month. But we want you, for you, to be able to consider where you are on all of this. And then we want to know. 
Does this person want resources? Do they want our help? Do they want to be connected with other people? Maybe they want to be left alone. We'll do that too. We want to honor wherever you are in that. And so we're asking everyone to just take a minute and figure that out. But listen, I believe no matter where you are on that journey, no matter where you kind of find yourself, that you do have a faith and a spirituality and a religious expression that is worth keeping, that's worth clinging to, that's worth passing down. I do believe that it's worth it, that it can cause more freedom, that it can create more love in the world, but it probably means letting go of that need for certainty. It definitely means releasing all of the fear and embracing some sort of divine mystery. You know, like clearly, like many of you, I have over the last 10 years really doubted my beliefs, my theological beliefs and otherwise. I've taken it all apart at different times and in different ways. I've taken a, you know, a historical approach to trying to put this all together. I've read all the old books about it. I've taken a modern secular approach and I've studied psychology and science and sociology about how our beliefs are even formed and how this works for human civilization. I've taken a mystical approach where I say, you know, I can't know any of it. Maybe I'll just experience it and sit with this. At times, I have worked really hard at my faith, and at times, I have totally disengaged. I have been curious, and I've been apathetic. And after all of that, over the last decade, I'm not totally sure about most of it. But here is my commitment to you. In spite of all the imposter syndrome, all the not knowing, which, to be honest, there is a part, as I said that, there was a part of me that wanted to apologize to you for it. I said, I'm sorry for not knowing, which is the opposite of my entire sermon. Like, I am trying to work through this right now, okay? So in spite of all the imposter syndrome, in spite of all the not knowing, this is my commitment to you. As the pastor in this community, regardless of how, what your relationship is to our church, this is my commitment to you. I am not giving up. I will not give up on this. I think it is worth it. I think it can create more freedom and joy and love, and I will not give up. I have been hurt and manipulated and abused just like you have by church and church leaders, but I am not giving up. I have tried and failed at times to create a more safe and healthy and free expression of church, and it hasn't always gone well but I'm not going to give up. And I will not give up on you. You can have whatever faith you need today, but you can have a faith that brings more goodness to your life. You can have a faith that is beautiful and free and loving. I believe it, and I will not give up on you. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Don't settle for certainty. Release your fear and embrace the mystery of faith. Honest, humble, simple mystery. Keep going and be free. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.